Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hey, I want to welcome all of you at all of our campuses this morning. I'm going to say good morning to Bluntstown, Shipley, Fairhope, Wakulla, and also Mariana. So good to have all of you. And by the way, if it's like your first Sunday on one of our campuses, this is a great Sunday for you to be here because we're beginning a brand new series entitled Dollars and Cents. And it's a sermon series. We're going to talk three weeks about making sense out of your dollars. So to kind of get us started, let's kind of start with a survey. And here's how we're going to do the survey. When I ask you a question, I want you to answer on all of our campuses. I want you to answer out loud with a yes or a no, or a maybe. Not all three of those, but just pick one of those. Okay, so is everybody ready? Okay, that, you were supposed to answer me with a yes, no, or a maybe, okay? Uh, so all of our campuses, again, here you're ready. Everybody ready? All right, there we go. All right. And by the way, when we get into these questions, I want you to give your honest answer, not what you think is like a good church answer. Maybe surprise the person sitting beside you with your answer, whatever. But here's the thing. Our question number one, here it is. Does money make life better? Okay, we had some of everything right there on that question. Okay, does money make life better? Number two, would more money make your life better? <laughs> a lot of agreement on that. Okay, question number three, would you like a little more money than you have right now? Okay, we, we're getting mutual agreement going in these things now. Question number four, if you had a little more money, do you already know what you would do with it? Yeah, there's very few people that said no or maybe, but anyhow. Number five, here's number five. Does it make you nervous that we're talking about or asking about money in church? No. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Okay, so, um, yeah. well, here's the thing. Some of you for that last question might have been a yes or a maybe, that kind of thing. Because, see, here's something we have in common when it comes to money. And this is true whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. And so one is this, we all get nervous whenever a pastor starts talking about money. But this is not a series about where we're going to kick off this fundraiser for the next three years or the next year or whatever. So you can relax, it's not about that. But the reason we're doing this series is because we want something for you. And we're going to explain what that is that we want for you in just a moment. But the other thing that we all have in common when it comes to this thing called money especially with the first four questions that I gave you, the most common answer for most of us would be yes. Yes, we would like to have more money than we have right now. And yes, a little bit more money would probably make life better. And yes, we pretty much know what we would do with it, right? So there's this desire in most all of us that go, I would like to have just a little bit more because we kind of believe that a little bit more would lead to a little bit better life. Now, here's the reality, though. For most of us, we kind of feel uncomfortable feeling that way or saying that because most of us have been told, especially by churches or church people, that this is true, that money doesn't make you happy. So down deep inside, we all kind of think, well, I'd kind of like to test that theory for myself. Thank you very much, you know. It's kind of like that Chris Jansen country song that says, buy me a boat, and, and it kind of connects with me, not because I'm a big country music fan, but just because I like boats. I bought my first boat when I was 14 years old. Anyhow, his, so, his, his song says something like this. He says, I know everybody says money can't make us happy, right? But it could buy me a boat, and it could buy me a truck to pull it with, and it could buy me a Yeti 110 iced down with, we'll leave the rest of it out. But the big idea of the song is, it just load me up. I'd like to test that theory for myself. Thank you very much, right? But at the same time, 
When we go to the serious side of it, while we might like to test the theory, most of us, if you would really sit down and have a conversation one-on-one, we don't actually believe that money is the true source of happiness. But here's what we want you to know that we believe as a church, and it's why we're doing this series. We think this, if you learn to manage money in the right way, it can make you happy. Which means having more money could be a good thing for you. Matter of fact, we would like to suggest this as we start this series. Money might be the answer to your problems. Now, some of you are going like, Paul, are you not going health, wealth, and prosperity on this? Nope, 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 nope. That's not where we're going. And some of you get even more confused because you're saying, well, as our pastor, you're supposed to say Jesus is the answer to all of our problems. And he is. He absolutely is. But as we're going to see over the next three weeks, money is like one of the tools that God uses to fix some of the problems inside of us and inside of, you know, in, in the world in which we live where we just don't understand things as well. For instance, we all, we all deal with the problem of discontentment in our life. I mean, think about it. When you have financial pressure or when you have relational issues or when you have some kind of work stress or you just don't have like margin in your life, discontentment is most often at the heart of that issue. But did you know that God wants to use money to solve your discontentment issue? But it's not necessarily the way that you think. And we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. Here, here's another one. A lot of our problems in life go back to this issue called worry. And we just can't stop worrying. And, and when you're worrying, you know it robs you of happiness and it causes conflict in our relationships and it steals our joy and our peace. But here's what's interesting. Jesus taught that the way that you man manage money can absolutely help you overcome worry. And, and not just your financial worries, but all worries. In fact, we're going to talk about that and we're going to look at that next week. Or how about this issue? Guilt. Anybody struggle with guilt? I mean, guilt about what you have or guilt about what you don't have or guilt about what you do or guilt about what you don't do. See, guilt is oftentimes at the root of our tendency to self-sabotage our own success or even our ability or inability to trust people. And Jesus taught that if you manage money God's way, you don't have to worry about guilt about what you have or what you don't have compared to other people. And then there's another issue, and that's greed. I mean, it's the problem that most of us have, but none of us really see when it really comes to our life. Because here's what greed does. Greed suffocates gratitude in us, which causes us to complain. So whenever you hear complaining coming out of your mouth this week, it's kind of a sign that there's some possibility that there's some greed going on. Because, see, greed causes us to complain and think that we're entitled to more. And, and greed causes us to cling to things and to value possessions more than people, to, to make ourselves more important than other people. And greed is really what causes many of us to miss out on our purpose in life. But Jesus taught there's a way for you to view and to use your money that not only fixes this greed thing, but it fixes the worry thing, it fixes the guilt thing, and it fixes the whole discontentment thing in your life. And, and don't miss this, because this is so important. There is also a way to, use, to view money 
that really makes each of these things worse in your life. So here's the question. Do you know how to use money to help you not hurt you? Because see, the reality is this. Money's kind of neutral. Money's like a brick. I mean, you, you could take a brick and put it in your hand, and, and you could use it to hit someone, knock them out, hit them in the back of the head, knock them out. You could use a brick for that. Or you could use a brick to build a hospital to help someone. So whether it helps you or whether it hurts you, it all depends on how you use it. So what we're going to do is we're going to take these next three weeks and we're going to learn how to use money in a way that helps you, that makes sense to you, and contributes to the kind of life that God wants for you and he created you to experience. And to do that, we're going to start with this issue of discontentment. Now, here's the thing. What is discontentment? I mean, we've all heard that word, but what is it? Well, here's what, how we're going to define it. Discontentment is an appetite that's fed by awareness. You need to understand that awareness fuels discontentment in our life. And our culture is strategic about pouring on the fuel that creates like a bonfire of discontentment in our lives. Which is why many of us feel discontentment in our life all the time. Because we live in this culture and they work overtime in marketing to make sure that we are aware of the things that we don't have yet. So this appetite for more, it is fueled by awareness. In fact, you, you've heard us say this before in the past about other things as well. But this is true about any appetite. An appetite is never fully or finally satisfied for example you, you can eat all you want today and you'll still get hungry tomorrow here's the truth you give an appetite what it wants and it's going to come back wanting more matter of fact the more you feed an appetite the bigger the appetite is going to get so discontentment is an appetite it's a constant growing desire to have a little bit more of something now, how do you know if discontentment is in you? Well, you know that discontentment is in you that when no matter what you have, no matter what you do, you're never fully or finally satisfied. So you could sum up discontentment with one word. It is the word more. Whenever you want more of something, you have just discovered discontentment in your life. It is why when it comes to stuff, here's what happened. Our grandparents, they repaired things. Our parents replaced things. Now we upgrade things. Because see, our culture, our generation, we're fueling the appetite of discontentment. And we're more aware of things that we can upgrade. Why do we upgrade? Not, not because they're broken, not because they got lost, not because they were old. No, no, no. We upgraded in spite of the fact that we had a perfectly working X, Y, or Z. But then we became aware of an upgrade of our version of X, Y, and Z. A new, a better, a bigger, a shinier X, Y, and Z. And we had to have it. Because see, our marketing culture has taught us. If you become aware of something and it's causing the feeling of discontentment in your life, 
then it's real easy to solve that feeling of discontentment, right? All we need to do is go out and buy that thing that we're aware that we don't have. But now we've gotten this new upgraded thing only to discover that it didn't solve our feeling of discontent. And the result of that is, is we spent money that we really didn't need to spend. And then if you're like me, and you're just kind of frugal, some people call me cheap, but I, you know, if you're frugal, it's like, it's almost depressing to think about how much money you spent upgrading things that already work that you really didn't need to spend. Now, here's the point. The point is not that upgrading is bad. It's just that we need to recognize that awareness feeds the appetite of our discontent. And it can cause us to use our money in ways that are more hurtful than helpful. Now, there's one other thing, and this is so, so important. In fact, you probably want to write this down. It's so important. There's one other thing you need to understand about discontentment, and this is this. Discontentment can be healthy or unhealthy. See, see, most of us, we only think of discontentment as an unhealthy thing. But as we're going to discover today, discontentment can be healthy or unhealthy. Now, let's talk about unhealthy discontentment. Unhealthy discontentment is when you have a desire, as we said, to pursue more of something that will not, make sure you get this, that will not make your life better. Now, we didn't say it wouldn't make you happier in the moment. Unhealthy discontentment can make you happier in the moment. For some of you, this is a picture of being happier in the moment. And some of you are going to check out until you can get out of the building and go get you some happier in the moment kind of stuff. But here's the thing. Don't confuse happy with healthy. See, unhealthy discontentment is when you want more of something that ultimately won't make your life better. It may make you happy in the moment, but ultimately it will not make your life better. However, healthy discontentment is the exact opposite. Healthy discontentment is when you have a desire to pursue more of something that will make your life better. Don't miss that. Healthy discontentment is when you have a desire to pursue more of something that will make your future life better. And not only your life but the lives of other people around you as well. In fact, here is the irony of healthy discontentment, and that is this. Pursuing healthy discontentment may actually make you less happy in the short term, less happy in the moment, but more fulfilled over time. For example, think about it this way. If you're discontent about the fact that maybe you're in poor health and, and you start exercising and you start eating better, you are, unhel unha excuse me, you are unhappier in the short term. You are unhappier in that moment when you think about what you used to could eat and, and how you used to could live and now you're not able to do that. But you're much happier and better over time. That's what healthy discontentment does for you. It may make you unhappy in the moment, but it makes you more fulfilled in the future. Now, here's the thing. When you live in a state of unhealthy discontentment, which is what a lot of us do in 21st century America, 
The thing is, you, you just kind of get miserable. But when you're living in a state of healthy discontentment, or excuse me, a, of healthy um, discontent, let me say it that way, of healthy discontent, your life is full of purpose, your life is full of meaning, and you live life feeling alive. See, healthy discontent, it's an incredible way to live. Because when you have, someone called it this, they called it holy discontent. See, when you have healthy discontent or holy discontent, you have passion, you have purpose, because healthy discontent or holy discontent, it fuels passion and purpose. But when you live in that state of unhealthy discontentment, it's no fun at all. And many of you could give testimony to that. Because unhealthy discontentment, it leaves you feeling empty. I mean, think about it. It leaves you like chasing short-term highs, like one short-term high after another short-term high, and you only end up just doing life with a lot of disappointment because you do this, and you think it's going to make you happy, or you buy this, you think it's going to make you happy. Because what unhealthy discontentment does, it tricks you into thinking that more will fix everything until you get that more, and then you feel like you still need more. See, unhealthy discontentment is a vicious cycle that many of us are caught up in in 21st century America. And it just leaves us feeling empty with no life at all. So how do you eliminate unhealthy discontent and how do you develop healthy discontent? Well, how you manage your money plays a large role in this process. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he wrote about this relationship between money and discontentment in a letter that he wrote to his friend by the name of Timothy. And here's how he explains to him, and in doing so, he explains to us. And he starts with something that I think all of us would agree on. And here's what he says. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. And I think all of us would agree with that, which is... The Apostle Paul's real, his way of basically saying is, here's the perspective that you need if you're going to have healthy discontentment in your life. He's saying, listen, all of that stuff that you're chasing, all of that stuff that you want to upgrade, all that stuff that you think you can't live without, all of that stuff that you tend to be discontent about, he's like, you live without it at one point in your life. And here's the thing. You didn't have any of it when you started, and you're not going to take any of it with you when you leave this earth. So you're discontent about stuff that you're not even going to be able to take with you when you die. The other thing the Apostle Paul wants us to understand is he's saying, and that stuff, it's temporary. It, it, it fits in between the beginning and the end of your life here and now on this earth. It's temporary which means that money or the things that money can buy shouldn't be the treasure that, you should, that you're going to pursue. It should be the tool that you use. Literally, the Apostle Paul is saying in this statement that money can't be the end goal if you're going to live with healthy discontent. It must be a means to an end, which means what you choose to pursue with your money will determine how healthy or unhealthy your discontentment is. Because here's why. In fact, here's why the Apostle Paul says what he says next in verse 8. 
He says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And for many of us, the thought of being content with just like food and clothes for today, I mean, that sounds like really crazy to us in 21st century. I mean, most of us read this and think, well, I would really like to have a whole lot more than that. But the Apostle Paul's point is not to oppose us pursuing some things in our life, but his point is this. If you're just pursuing stuff, you've got to remember it's temporary. And it really shouldn't be what you pursue in order to kind of settle the whole discontentment inside yourself. Because that stuff really is what creates discontentment. It's why in verse 7, the first verse that we just read here, I mean, he tries to give us this perspective of why it's so foolish to focus on temporary things. Why it's so foolish like to pile up all this stuff that's not even permanent. Because see, nobody, think about it this way. Nobody gets to the end of their life, their final days. I mean, some of you, you know, you had a loved one die, you had a friend die that you really liked, and, and you know, they, they had a few days before they were passing, and everybody be gathered around their bed, and, you know, nobody has ever got to the end of their life, their final days, and said, you know, I would so love to feel and touch my money one more time. Can you just go get it all out of the bank, pile it up here in the bed with me, All of y'all just leave the room because I just want to spend a little more money feeling the love of my money. That doesn't happen. And if it did, the people would be like, you're crazy. Because see, when we're exiting this life into eternity, we start getting a very clear perspective of what is important. In that moment, we know our our contentment has nothing to do with money. So with that perspective, the Apostle Paul says, listen, let me give you a few warnings that you need to heed if you want to live with a sense of holy discontent or healthy discontent. Notice what he says beginning in verse 9. He says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction so what the apostle paul is saying is this the unhealthy or the downside of unhealthy discontentment is that you fall into temptation and the temptation that you fall into is to spend your life in pursuit of things that you can't take with you and to spend your life in pursuit of things that actually won't even satisfy you And then he says, not only do you fall into that temptation, but you fall into a trap. And the trap is, is to believe that somehow more creates contentment. Like, I I just need a little bit more money, or I I just need a little more retirement, or I just need a little bigger place to live, and I, I just need a little better car to drive. I just need a little more, and I'll be content. See, that's the trap of unhealthy discontentment. It baits you down the road of the wrong more. And the result is this, is you just keep chasing more, trying to satisfy that. And here's the thing, the satisfaction is always just beyond your reach, just beyond your grasp. And then he says, and the end result of that temptation, of falling that temptation and that trap, is it plunges people into ruin and destruction 
like the ruin and destruction of sacrificing my family or sacrificing my relationships or serving others to make more and more and more. So the end ends up being the ruin and the destruction of being able to experience the things that matter the most, and that is relationships. He's saying, listen, as you pursue those things that don't actually satisfy and that are not significant in your life, it is the ruin and the destruction of getting to the end of your life and realizing that you have pursued way too many temporal things and not the eternal things that matter. And the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, if you're wise, you'll watch out for that temptation and you'll watch out for this trap. Then he gives us another warning. And here's what he says. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now make sure you understand, he's not saying that money is the problem. In fact, as we said earlier, God can use your money to be the answer to some of your problems. See, the problem is the love of money. Some of you are going, well, how do I know it's the love of money? Well, the love of money is when you stop treating money like a tool and you start treating it like a treasure. And the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, that's going to cost you deeply. And then he goes on and gives us another warning as well. He says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs, which is the Apostle Paul's way of saying, listen, don't forget You were created for a purpose, on purpose. But the minute that you let unhealthy discontentment begin to distract you, it costs you what matters the most. And that is living every day, partnering with God in a growing relationship with Him. Now here's the thing. We don't have to stand around in this talk this morning and convince you this. Because haven't we all done this? Haven't we all fallen in this trap? of like wandering away from the faith because we were pursuing something other than God. We got distracted by more. I mean, haven't we all said something like this at some point in time? Like, I really don't have time to serve at the church or I really don't have time to serve in in this organization because, man, I got so much work to do. I've got all these goals and I've got all these things I'm trying to meet. Or I don't have time to be like in a small group. You know, I got these financial goals, I got these work goals, I got these achievement, retirement kind of goals, or I don't have time to spend time with God every day, because I'm just way too busy. And and when we say something like that, what we're basically saying is this, I've got priorities, but my priorities are just not aligned with helping me grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. They're not just not aligned with helping me grow in my faith and live out God's purpose that he has for my life. My priorities, no, 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 no. They are around feeding my unhealthy discontentment for more. And the truth the Apostle Paul is trying to help us understand is this. Unhealthy discontentment, it always hurts your faith. It pulls you away from the permanent and important, and it focuses you on the temporary. And he says, that is the self-inflicting wound of your faith. That's what unhealthy discontentment does to you. 
So the question becomes, well, does that make money bad? No. Does it make having stuff bad? No. The Apostle Paul is not saying that money is bad if you use it as a tool. It's only when you start misusing it as a treasure. Listen, here's the reality. Your money follows your discontent. But money's not good or bad, as we said. It just simply reveals what you're discontent about. I mean, and if you're not sure what you're discontent about, maybe some of you, the day you just need to go home and look at your credit card bill or your checkbook, just look at your, you know, your checking account or use your debit card, because just look at where you spend your money, and it will show you where your discontent lies every time. So here's the question. What would happen... If you became discontent about the right things, what would happen? What if you were really discontent about the quality of your relationship with Jesus Christ? What what if that was your number one sense of discontentment in your life? Or what about if you were really discontent about the way that you are serving others? You're going, man, I have been so self-serving. I've just been about me. And you go, I just have not... I'm not using a, a majority of my life or time to serve other people. I mean, what, what if you were really discontent about the impact, or should we say the lack of impact that you were making in other people's lives? Or what if you were discontent about the fact that you have friends who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? What if that was your number one source of discontent? Or... Even greater than that, what if you were discontent about the relationship that you have with your family, the lack of emotional and spiritual and relational connection? What if that was like one of your top areas of discontent? See, that kind of discontentment would lead you to managing and using your money in a completely different way than what you're using it today. I mean, your money would go in a completely different direction. And here's the good news about this. You can change the direction of your discontentment by changing where you put your money. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your what? Heart is also. So if you're kind of wondering how to change your discontentment, here's what the Apostle Paul would suggest that you do. Here's what he says. Command those who are rich in this present world, and by the way, if you make more than $20,000 a year, you are in the top 10% of the richest people in the world. If you make more than 10%, or excuse me, $20,000 a year, you're in the top 10% of the richest people in the world. So he's pretty much talking to every person who lives in the United States. Okay, He says, compared to the rest of the people, because he's talking about in this present world, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So he's saying, listen, if you want to develop a healthier discontentment, the Apostle Paul says you start by remembering that money It's so uncertain. It's so temporal, which means it's not trustworthy. You can't build your life on it. It can be here today and gone tomorrow. He says, instead, if you want to create healthy discontentment, you need to make sure that the focus of your hope is in God, 
Not, not what's on temporary. And he goes, and then, by the way, just enjoy what he's given you. Because he says, enjoy it. You can enjoy it. God gave you what you have for your enjoyment. And have you ever discovered that when you fall in the trap of thinking that the source of the stuff that you have is your joy, you really are never content and you never can enjoy what you already have? So he's saying, listen, don't fall into that trap. But that's not easy, is it? Because we live in a culture that drives our awareness of what we don't have or the next upgrade. We live in a culture that drives our awareness and it feeds our appetite for more. So the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, you have to be very intentional with what you do with your money to keep your discontentment healthy. And he says, here's how you do it. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So verse 18 is the secret to developing healthy discontentment in your life, which is this, is you take your money and you put it toward things that create healthy discontent in your life. In other words, you give toward things that matter You serve in ways that leave like a lasting impact, which is why every year in November, um, for three weeks, we focus on creating healthy discontentment through something that we call Be Rich. For three Sundays, we, we focus on giving back to our community, to serving our community, and loving our community. And the reason that we do that is because we know that we have to be very intentional about creating healthy contentment. Because here's what we've learned. You probably want to write this down because this is so important. Discontentment is a good thing if you're discontent about the right thing. And that's why sometimes we call healthy discontentment holy discontentment. So the more you kind of like put your money and you put your time toward things that create healthy discontentment, guess what happens to the unhealthy discontentment that you feel? It starts to disappear. Because what you're aware of begins to change, and and awareness, it feeds whatever our discontentment is. And so here's the thing. If you do your life, it's all aware about this bigger house that you want and and all the money that you wish you had and the next thing that you want to upgrade. What it's going to do, it's going to consume your focus, and it will consume your cash. But if you start using your time and you start using your wealth to serve God and to serve others and to serve here at this church on a regular basis or a nonprofit in our community, what's going to happen is giving toward causes that matter, all of that unhealthy discontentment, it will start to vanish because your awareness of the needs around you will start trumping all the awareness of the things that really don't matter anymore. And all of a sudden you wake up one day and go, I don't need all that stuff because I don't really own it. It owns me. Because everything I own, I have to maintain and keep up. I end up spending more time maintaining and keeping it up and paying for maintenance on it than I get to enjoy it. And then you start focusing on holy discontentment, healthy discontentment, by focusing your time and energy on things that are going to matter, things that are going to last for eternity. You start feeling a sense of joy and purpose and meaning. You start feeling alive. 
So we're in this talk today by asking you some awesome questions. And, and, and these questions, what you do with them, ultimately will determine the level of happiness and fulfillment that you experience in your life. So I encourage you to write down these three questions. Here, here's the first one. What are you discontent about right now? What are you chasing? What are you pursuing more of? Will it still matter at the end of your life? In other words, is your discontentment leading you towards the kind of life you really want? Is it really leading you to become the person that you want to be? Be really honest about yourself with this one. What are you discontent about? Second question. What does your money tell you about your discontentment? I mean, how much of your money do you like give toward things that you should be discontent about? Or how much money do you invest in things that will literally make an eternal difference? Or, or do you over, live over here and, and you consume almost everything that you have on upgrading and proving for your own benefit? Remember, your money follows your discontentment. Final question. If you change one thing about your money that would lead to a better life, what would it be? Would it be making like generosity, like a consistent practice in your life? Would, would it be serving and becoming aware of needs around you that are bigger than you? Please hear me, folks. Discontentment, it can derail you or it can develop you. It all depends on what you choose. Because don't forget this. Discontentment is a good thing. If you're discontent about the right thing. So will you make the wise choice and say, I'm, I'm going to use my money to help me stay discontent about what matters the most. Will you start living with a sense of holy discontent instead of that unhealthy discontent that makes us so miserable in our lives? Will you start chasing what matters most instead of more of what doesn't matter? Focus on these three questions this week, and we'll come back next week and talk about another thing that will give you another level of health in your life. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that in your word you, you teach us how to make sense out of our dollars. Now, I just pray right now that you'll help every one of us to take these three questions that we've laid out for application this week and, and be very honest with ourselves. God, for some of us, it means we got to get our checkbook. For some of us, our bank statement. For some of us, our credit card bill. And see what we've really been pursuing with our lives. And God, as we, as we begin to answer these questions, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will just come and begin to move our hearts as we move how we handle the tool of money toward things that matter the most. And in doing that, God, I pray that you give every one of us just such a sense of holy discontent that our lives are being fueled with passion and purpose and meaning and fulfillment and life like we've never experienced it before because we're just fueled up about things that matter. We're passionate about things that are going to matter, not just here and now, but for all eternity. Thank you for how this is going to change us. In Jesus' name, amen.